0: This is Out of Office for January 2016, a day in the life of a future out-of-office worker. Welcome to the Out of
1: Office Podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Guihan Pereira.
0: Elle wakes up at 6.30am. She does so naturally most days, but had she slept until 6.45am, her smart net would have gently buzzed her into wakefulness. Elle's husband, Alberto, is already up and working. He's an early bird. Elle goes into the bathroom and puts on her gym gear. The apartment displays some useful information on the vanity mirror, news and weather, Elle's daily agenda, reminders and sleep log, which shows that Elle enjoyed a solid eight hours sleep with just one interruption. That's right, their cat Winston had tangled with the new cleaner bot. Elle heads out of the apartment, blowing a kiss to Alberto, who's already at work in the study doing his morning shift. On her way down to the gym, Elle checks her personal messages, There's one from Alberto's mum, confirming her visit this evening for dinner. May she bring a dessert? Elle replies in the affirmative. Elle checks into the gym and her virtual trainer Vigo is projected before her. Today he has a 40-minute weights program for Elle. As Elle works through her routine, each piece of gym equipment automatically adjusts to Elle's program and logs her performance. Vigo provides instruction and encouragement and Elle works hard to hit her targets. At the end of the session, Elle warms down and Vigo reviews Elle's performance and plans tomorrow's exercise routine. Elle's favourite, CrossFit. Back at the apartment, Elle showers and changes into her work clothes. Alberto has roused the children, and Elle joins them for breakfast. The kitchen has automatically prepared individual ma- meals for each family member. Elle's takes into account her morning weights routine and her day schedule as well as some of her favorites warmed warm, mixed berries and Greek yogurt. The family chat about their day ahead. The kids are excited because today they'll be visiting the Great Barrier Reef. Not the actual reef, but a virtual reality model of it. Like most children, the kids are schooled at home in a virtual classroom. And today, it's Alberto's turn to help them with their studies. As a keen amateur scuba diver, he's excited to be visiting the reef too. Elle's day will be her usual usual routine, but she'll be having lunch with Stefan, one of her team members, and his wife, Ashria. They're visiting Perth for a holiday. Elle and Stefan will also be doing some work together, which is a fairly rare treat to spend time with one of her colleagues. While Alberto and the kids are getting ready for class, Elle speaks with the home automation system. Everything's operating smoothly, but there is an alert from the cleaner bot when it had to shut down suddenly last night. Winston. Elle reviews the menu for the evening's dinner and confirms cancellation of dessert. Elle also confirms her lunch booking with the restaurant. A short list has been predictively generated based on Elle's personal tastes and those of her guests'. From the list, she selects a restaurant known for its spectacular views and specialty dishes sourced from local produce. Hello, Chris. Hi, Gihan. How are you? Very well. Very well. Welcome to the future. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. The not-too-distant future.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's a really great idea, Chris. And I really credit you a lot for writing this story of L and a day in the life of a future out-of-office worker. I love what you've done. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to look at what might be coming up in the future, And as you said, not in the very far distant future, but maybe in the next five or ten years.
0: Yeah, indeed. We did a bit of crystal ball gazing uh, towards the end of last year and thought about some of the technologies that are here already, some that are on the horizon and some just over the horizon, how they might impact on the, the work and life of an out-of-office worker.
1: Yes, and, and while we're at a break in the story, let's look at some of the technology you talked about. So the first thing you mentioned was a, a smart net. So L has a smart net. Actually, why don't you describe what that is?
0: Sure. So a smart net is going to be a a wireless personal network of smart sensors and devices that are integrated into Elle's clothing. She's got skin sensors. She's got contact lenses that are smart as well, an earpiece and a headset, all kinds of devices that are networked together and they constantly monitor and log her physical state, things like her pulse and perspiration and respiration rates. And uh, that was inspired... Gihan by the fact that my daughter, she bought a Fitbit with her Christmas money Mm. this year. And it's really quite a clever little device for such a tiny device. It it, uh, monitors quite a lot of activity and infers quite a lot about what what Lauren gets up to throughout the day. Um, But the L SmartNet uh, will be an advanced version of that and the information that it collects and logs... Elle would be able to selectively share that with a variety of online services and that would allow her to uh, allow them to provide services to her. And the device, the SmartNet, would also allow her to communicate with the internet using voice and gestures and even thought. There are devices on the market now like the Emotive. they're a headset that allows you to use thought commands to control your, your PC. Um, so. Uh, as well as interacting, she'd get information from the cloud through the smart net and that would be presented to her through a variety of modalities, visual, so they'd be projected onto surfaces that are nearby or onto her contact lenses in 3D or into her earpiece or she'd have tactile feedback through the skin contacts that make up the smart net.
1: Yeah, great. And another thing that you mentioned was about her smart house. So she's got an apartment which... um, Kind of knows who's living there and is connected to to her and the other people in it. So, uh, as she goes to the ba- in the bathroom, her vanity mirror gives the information, which is completely relevant and customised to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got an automatic cleaning robot like like the Roomba created by this company iRobot um, and at the moment it just does kind of like cleaning uh, floor cleaning but in the future I'm sure we'll have technology that does other sorts of cleaning as well because it can't climb stairs like Daleks <laughs> <laughs> does the same sort of problem yet, yet but we will have that of course um, and you've also got the smart kitchen where the, the kitchen automatically uh, prepares meals uh, It's I remember many years ago, Chris, the, the whole idea, when, when the internet was new, there was the, the whole idea was that we'd have an internet-connected fridge, mm-hmm. where the fridge would automatically know to put in an order to Woolies and Coles when it was uh, low on your supplies. And this is taking it to the next level, where the whole kitchen can do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And of course, it would place those orders based on what it, what it infers that you need for, for your various healthy diets and for your exercise programs, for the, the, the daily routine that you have. All that would be done um, intelligently.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think the the next level up from that is the idea that it can make predictions. And you mentioned not so much with the kitchen, but you mentioned with uh, um, else internet connected smart net can make predictions about what kind of restaurants she might want to visit uh, based on knowing who she's going to meet later in the day, what her personal preferences are, what her guests preferences are and in this case you you said that it presents a short list of restaurants that fit all those criteria and all she has to do is pick from that short list and they're, they're available in priority order i think it's quite a big shift to go from just basic monitoring like Lawrence fitbit does now to then being able to make predictions and make recommendations for the future based on past behavior
0: yeah and we But we are starting to see that, aren't we? So if you've got an Android phone, you've probably got the Google Now server switched on. And that sort of thing, that Google Now does things like it looks at your location and it suggests restaurants that are nearby or interesting um, sightseeing places that you can go to based on your location. It tells you how long it will take you to get back home if you're away from home. So that kind of predictive technology is already in our hands with things like Google Now.
1: Yep, exactly. And it's only going to get better.
0: Yeah. So another thing that you mentioned is this whole idea
1: of virtual reality, which I think is going to be really big. Mm. Uh, Facebook's investing heavily in it right now, uh, and the idea is that it's just going to bring people together in a virtual world uh, with the same sort of fidelity and quality that you currently get in the physical world. And uh, I had the opportunity to try uh, the the latest in virtual reality technology, Chris, at a conference uh, I spoke at last year, I spoke at a real estate conference and one of the exhibitors, which actually was realestate.com, they were demonstrating the use of VR, virtual reality for doing house walkthroughs So, Mm -hmm. instead of a real estate agent having to take a potential buyer through a house. um, The buyer just dons these virtual reality headset which presumably in the future, they'll own their own a headset, uh, they don it and they do a virtual walkthrough of the house, and it's quite realistic. So, as you're walking around, uh, the the scene changes when you uh, when you stoop to look at something on the floor, uh, it gets a bit closer The the floor gets closer, um, so you actually can do quite a good tour of the house uh, just by just by wearing a virtual reality headset without ever having to visit the house. And I can see that's something that's going to be bigger in the future.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's been a long time coming. You and I remember VR from last century, which was these huge, cumbersome headsets that you had to wear and they were really the, the fidelity was really poor. But now, the current VR, the, those, those headsets are much more compact and lightweight. The fidelity is far greater than it was a generation ago. And then in the future, they'll be integrated into L SmartNet. That VR will be available um, seamlessly and with, with high fidelity.
1: Yes, and I think without trying to predict too much into the future, I think it's worth mentioning that wherever you are, whatever business you're operating, just think about if there's any sort of physical aspect to it, just think how virtual reality will affect that. I, I can see that myself. As a conference speaker, uh, at the moment, I get on a plane, fly to a venue where a few hundred other people have done exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. They they gather in a room and uh, I'm up there on stage speaking for, for 45 to 60 minutes, um, And I think that's going to change, and VR is going to change that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the big news probably about five years ago, or the buzz, was all about holograms. So uh, the people would still be at the conference, but... A hologram of me would be projected so uh, that takes away the cost and the expense and the the fatigue of me traveling but virtual reality means that somebody who wants to be a conference attendee can don their vr glasses sit in a room uh, or a virtual room they look around and it's like there there's a whole crowd with them and they look up and they can see the speaker uh, and that's going to be reality not just virtual reality yeah Um, Another thing that you mentioned is this idea of the, the virtual trainer. So Vigo, I think you you call her, where where Elle goes to the gym and instead of joining a class uh, where she's training together with some buddies or instead of doing her individual workout simply by herself, she has a virtual trainer who works along with her. And again, that's one of those things that's that's going to become big in the future. Uh, Even at the moment, you can get something like that. It's not personalized though. Uh, At this stage, for example, when I go to my 24-7 gym, if I want to, do a workout uh, by myself, I can do that. But if I want to do a workout, uh, I want to follow a, a program, then I can go into the training room and choose from a number of different uh, videos which are project onto a big screen and I uh, just follow the instructor's uh, uh, training. Now, the instructor doesn't see me and I can't see her, so she doesn't know whether I'm doing the right thing or not. But in the future, that's going to be the case, that, you, that it will be personalized, customized, and um, you'll be able to interact with your virtual instructor.
0: Yeah, it's very much what you said about VR previously is that it's the impact of virtual reality on that combined with the feedback to the system that develops your program. It looks at how you've performed, what your needs are and your targets are and adjusts your program accordingly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I've come across something on a smaller scale and probably a little bit more low tech, but the same sort of idea. Um, There's a robot called Autom. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say robot, it's just something that sits on your desk. And it's like a fitness coach. And uh, it costs $200, and then you pay a $20 a month subscription. Just like a fitness coach. (laughs) Just like a fitness (laughs) coach. (laughs) And, And she's a weight loss coach. So what happens is that uh, she you you log what you've done. So you you've log you log your routines, uh, your fitness routines. You log what you eat, and she cheers you on or chastises you after <laughs> right. the routine. It's just like a fitness coach. It's just like a fitness coach, but but also just like a fitness coach, she customises her advice to keep you motivated. So uh, she learns what you respond best to, and uh, then uh, gives feedback the next time. Uh, along those lines, like it's customised for each person based on their past behaviour. So um, the the intelligence is there, and uh, it's just a case of getting the technology, uh, like the hardware technology, to that point as well. Mm. And and also, just while you are mentioning the, the whole idea of auto-adjusting to personal uh, personal use, so I bought a car last week, Chris, or so I collected my, my new car last week, and it's got some of these auto-adjust features in there. Now, uh, to some extent, it's still manual, but I can... Um, adjust my seat to exactly where I want it, press a button and it gets remembered. Uh, And then if somebody else gets in the car and readjusts it, so Nikki might have a different seat adjustment, Abby might have a different seat adjustment, when I get back in the car, I can just press my memory button and it comes back to to my settings. Now, in the future, I won't have to press the button. It'll automatically recognize me and adjust adjust automatically. And that sort of thing, which is very basic at the moment, is going to be much more uh, common in the future. Indeed, yep. All right, so sorry for interrupting your story, Chris.
0: Let's press on. Elle farewells her family, grabs her hoverboard. That's right, Kehan, there's hoverboards in the future. <laughs> and heads out of the apartment. She rides down to her favourite waterfront cafe, come working space, taking the scenic route through the park for a bit of exercise. Elle is prompted to confirm a predictive order, an espresso and blueberry muffin, to be ready on her arrival. At the co-working cafe, Elle settles into her favourite booth by the window. It's her regular morning work venue. It's set up for workers like Elle, blending a trendy cafe with the facilities of a co-working space. But what Elle likes most is its riverside location. Elle smiles and nods to a couple of other regulars. Maros, the manager, delivers Elle's order and checks she has all she needs. The booths are set up so that people can work in privacy and without disturbing others. Elle launches her work display using a vocal command, projecting it onto a nearby surface. Nothing urgent, so using a series of gestures, she files away each message for later processing, automatically updating her work slate. She then opens her team's project management system. Elle's part of a small freelance team that develops 3D models, mainly for games and film studios. There are four core members of the team, Elle, Arshad, Miriam and Stefan, who have worked together for several years on many projects. A young graduate Izzy has just joined them, and graphic artist Wei has been recruited for the current project. Elle opens the project dashboard and reviews the situation. Overnight, Arshad and Miriam met with the client to review the current set of models produced by the team. The clients are happy with progress and have requested a few changes. Miriam has submitted the changes to the project management system, which has automatically created a series of tasks and prioritised and assigned them to members of the team. Things are on on track as usual. Elle checks some changes for which she's been the, the assigned reviewer. All the changes pass review, Elle confirms the project management system request for additional documentation and tests for one of Izzy's changes. Izzy's is turning out to be a great asset. She's completing her studies at MIT online while working with the team. Izzy had an excellent portfolio of models she developed as a hobbyist and glowing feedback from her freelance projects. She was keen to work, on a, work with the team on larger projects. Stefan is mentoring Izzy, teaching her the systems and tools and processes the team uses. He's semi-retired and gradually transitioning his work to other team members. He spends most of his time, most of the year, travelling the globe with his wife, a bioinformatician, the quintessential digital nomads. Elle is looking forward to catching up with them for lunch. Elle gets on with some of her modelling tasks. The interface to Elle's modelling tool allows her to use a combination of voice and thought gestures. Elle sees the model in 3D, projected in stereo onto her contact lenses. She makes solid progress and completes a draft of one of her models. The co-working space has a 3D printer, of course, but Elle wants a high-resolution model with fur and articulation and compressibility, so she sends her model to a printing surface that her team regularly uses. It's a good time for a break, so Elle grabs a board and rides along the riverfront, enjoying the scenery and fine weather. She receives a notification that her model is being printed and is being drone-delivered to the co-working cafe. Elle heads back to the cafe, confirming a predictive order for a berry smoothie to be ready on her return. Elle is notified that one of her friends, Aniko, from the 3D Modeler's meetup group, is signed in and her status is available, indicating that it's okay to interrupt her. Elle locates Aniko and they they go to a quiet booth for a chat. Maros delivers Elle's smoothie and 3D model. It looks good, the 3D model. The texture and articulation just as she'd visualised. Elle shows the model to Aniko and describes the techniques she used to develop it. Aniko is duly impressed and invites Elle to present her work at a subsequent meetup. They chat some more before Aniko returns to work. Elle returns to a work booth and displays the project dashboard. She updates her modelling tasks with some notes on the changes she's made. After examining the printed model, Elle adds a couple of subtasks for further refinements. The project management system automatically invites comments from Wei on the current build of Elle's model. Oh, great. That's that's really good, Chris. And what I really like
1: here is that we can now look at, in the first section, we looked at things that happen in the home. And I think we can now look at some of the things that happen in the workplace. So you talked about, again, we talked about predictive orders uh, and, you know, that, cafes and restaurants and other service providers can make predictions ahead of time so that's Mm -hmm. good Um, as opposed to what we can do now which is like uh, sending a text to order your coffee and then pick it up when you when you arrive there Um, but let's look at the workplace because you talked about she goes into a co-working space where she has a a dedicate it's not really a dedicated space but like a hot desk she can choose a booth she can work uh, either by herself or she can be at a table uh, surrounded by other people she has a lot of um technology that we now use, like carrying a laptop around, she doesn't need to do anymore. She can do a lot based on um, the smart net and using uh, using things like gestures and thoughts. And uh, in fact, al- already Google is working on gesture control so that you can control things without a mouse or a, a trackpad or anything like that. Um, I really like what you're talking about, the project dashboard uh, where she can log in and there's a dashboard which uh, which allows her to look at the current state of the project. And that I really want to focus on the point that you made that it's it's automatic. The, the project management system is – it's like having a, a very smart project manager for you yeah. um, automatically because uh, the, I, I think we can't – we can almost – not visualize how smart artificial, artificial intelligence is going to be in in the future, so in five or ten years. In fact, I saw a prediction that said in ten years' time, um, a $1,000 laptop, which you might be carrying around today, will be as smart as a human brain. Um, and it's not that we'll be carrying laptops around, because all of that will be in the cloud, but that's the sort of intelligence we have. So if you can imagine a computer can do the sort of things that a human can do for you now, L will have access to, um, and all access to a computer that can do her project management like a very smart executive assistant and project manager for her.
0: Yeah, that's right, Gihan. I think a lot of project management is mechanical and the real skill in project management is about managing people and personalities, not that mechanistic stuff of assigning tasks to individuals and prioritising. A lot of that is quite mechanical and there are uh, simple workflows that can be followed and even a dumb (laughs) project management system could handle that today, let alone uh, what's needed in the future. So it's really about freeing up project managers to do the difficult stuff and... um, and getting the, the really easy stuff done automatically.
1: Yeah, and and I think it might be a little bit controversial, but I think that the, the AI will even be emotionally intelligent and yeah. be able to assign tasks uh, to say that like these two people you know, haven't worked together well or they may not or um, somebody is going through a difficult issue at home so yeah. maybe they shouldn't get that task and so on. And even that can be automated.
0: Yeah, indeed, and and have that, those kinds of insights automatically through the sorts of information that smart nets would gather and uh, and would be integrated into those systems as well
1: exactly exactly the other thing that came through in what you were just uh, in that part of the story chris is the the idea of different work styles so you talked about the fact that uh, you've got these digital nomads uh, you've talked about how stefan is semi-retired and he's gradually transitioning his work but he can still work effectively in the um, in the modern workplace but you may not have been able to do as effectively, let's say, now. Um, You talked about the fact that Izzy is studying online. She's studying at MIT online. um, And that sort of information, that quality of education, will be available to anyone anywhere around the world. Um, And more than that, it's taken for granted that that sort of qualification or that sort of skill is as valuable as having a bit of paper from um, a physical university. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think MIT have been already groundbreaking in that area of online learning, and I think they'll probably set the pace in the future too.
1: Yep, yep. And a couple of other things which are starting to become commonplace, 3D printers and drone delivery. And I think, again, those are going to be two um, disruptive technologies.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Especially if Amazon get the drone delivery up and running, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's going to change a lot of industries. Good. Let's have lunch. (laughs) So, Elle receives notification that it's time to depart for her lunch with Stefan and Ashria. She heads for the terrace, and as she sets off, receives a message that a driverless car can collect her nearby and take her to the restaurant. Elle confirms the pickup and walks to where the car is waiting. Elle shares her location data and calendar with this company, allowing them to predictively dispatch vehicles to customers without them needing to explicitly order them. At the restaurant, Elle finds Stefan and Ashria at the bar, enjoying pre-lunch drinks. They both look fit and relaxed. The trio greet each other and are shown to their table, one with excellent views per Elle's preferences. Stefan and Ashria regale Elle with tales of their travel adventures. Elle suggests a few fun activities they might enjoy while visiting Perth, and they plan a day trip to Rottnest Island diving and snorkelling together.
1: Yeah, good. So the the lunchtime thing, I think there's a couple of things that I I picked up on that you're talking about, Chris. Driverless cars, uh, that's a big technology. And I I really think that's going to disrupt a lot of industries and a lot of the way that we work. uh, Disrupt in a positive way, I think. Um, and the second thing is this idea of predictively dis- dispatching, and again, it's coming back to a point that we made earlier, that you won't have to call up a driverless car. It will know that uh, it's uh, that the company will be able to predict that you'll you'll need one at this time. Mm. And uh, it sounds a little bit scary, uh, but I think the technology is getting to the stage where. Computers will be able to make better predictions about our future than we can make ourselves.
0: Yeah, and I think also it's that I made the point that L had chosen to share that information with this particular service. So I think what we would look forward, to, what I would look forward to in the future, is the the ability to have a bit more control over. The services and organisations with whom I share my calendar and my whereabouts, so that I can get the advantage of those kinds of services, but also have the control over I know who has my data and what they're doing with it. Yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, let's press on. After lunch, Elle and Stefan head for a CBD working co-working campus where they'll have a video conference with prospective clients. They farewell Ashria and a driverless car delivers them to the campus. They find an available meeting room to prepare for the call. The team has been approached by a game studio to work on a future project. Elle's team has worked for this client before, so they've been shortlisted for this project based on their successful track record with the studio, as well as their excellent reputation doing similar work for other clients. Elle and Stefan also discuss Izzy and agree she's a keeper. They schedule a video call with Izzy to find out more about what makes her tick and how they can make work with the team more meaningful and rewarding for her. They receive notification that the meeting time is approaching, so they head for the telepresence suite they've booked. They could have used their smart nets for the video conference, but the campus customer relations system has suggested they indulge themselves in the high-fidelity holographic VR offered by the telepresence suite. The meeting is a detailed presentation of the project to the shortlisted teams, followed by a Q&A session. It goes well. Ellen and Stefan get the information they need to draft a bid for the work, and after the session, they plan to share what they've learned with their core team, and develop their proposal. They schedule a time to review this together in a few days.
1: Yeah, good. And I've seen one of these telepresence suites, Chris. It's mm. not the 3D holographic version yet, but uh, I went to one in Sydney. I went on a tour of this facility that had a very sophisticated, one of the best telepresence suites in Australia. And it looks pretty good. It's like you're sitting around a meeting room. It's like one of those, uh, you see pictures of UN headquarters mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's like that. And you see people all around you. So it's as close to reality as we get now, but it's going to become so much better.
0: Yeah, it, it will. Um, and I think there's this that dichotomy between the ability to just use the facilities of your smart net versus um, maybe something that's a higher end offering that would in, make you choose between those two. So in this case... It's kind of pushed at them by the venue to come and try out their new telepresence suite. But they could probably have just used their smart net uh, uh, as a way of getting into the meeting as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I'm sure that those sort of telepresence suites, even now, we see them as a the future. Um, in the future, they'll be seen as a past. They'll be seen as uh, such an old-fashioned way of doing things because you will be able to use your smart net for all of that.
0: Yeah, you won't have to go somewhere specific.
1: Exactly. And there's one other thing I picked up on, Chris, which is not a technology thing, but you, you talked about the fact that Elle's team has worked on similar projects before, so they've got a successful track record. So that's why they got shortlisted for this project. And even though it's not a technology, it is something that is going to become more important in the future. The idea that teams aren't necessarily made up of employees working for the same organization all the time. They're just made up of people who work together well, they perform, they achieve the results. And then as a result of that, they choose to bid for other projects and future employers uh, choose to employ that team for this project based on their track record rather than people working simply because that's where they get their salary.
0: Yeah, that's right. So teams will be more freelance and fluid, but also there'll be these talent markets, or there already are these talent markets, where teams track records on projects are are established and customers can come along and invite people to bid for work where they see that they've done great work before. Yep, exactly. Okay. Stefan leaves for his B&B and Elle grabs a work pod to finish a few more of her tasks. Around 4pm, she heads back to the apartment, catching a public shuttle, and then hoverboarding home. On the journey, Elle listens to one of her favourite podcasts. Back at the apartment, the kitchen is busy preparing dinner. The kids and Alberto finished class for the day, but are still exploring the reef. Elle joins them, and the kids show her where they've been and what they've learned about marine ecosystems. Elle ducks into the study for an hour to finish work for the day. She shares it with Alberto, so they've designed it to be a comfortable and productive space. As Elle enters the room, the lighting automatically adjusts to a comfortable level, and Elle's favourite work music playlist is piped quietly through the speakers. At 5pm, Elle finishes work for the day. She showers and dresses for dinner, then relaxes with the children. At 6pm, the doorbell chimes. It's Grandma. The kids rush excitedly to the door and let Grandma in. Hi Grandma, want to come scuba diving with us? Have you ever seen a brain coral? (laughs)
1: <laughs> cool, okay So I, I ignored hoverboarding the first time you mentioned it, Chris so <laughs> Come on I glossed over it So tell me what you think is going to be the future of hoverboarding
0: They're going to be available, right? They're, they're available now, Gihan You've seen the clips on YouTube These prototypes they, are out there on fire they, These are early prototypes, Gihan <laughs> Yes,
1: okay Yeah, but joking aside That is a realistic, feasible way of getting around in the future, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I have seen people using these p- things in public. They're, You know, they're like the Segway, but um, only more fire-prone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, but seriously, the, the personal transport um, devices are becoming a commodity, and I think they'll only improve in quality and ability.
1: Yeah, okay, good, good. So a couple of other things, uh, again, with. We're back in the home now, so we're talking about the, the smart home, where lighting adjusts. Um, so Elle and uh, Elle and her husband, Alberto, have made some decisions about setting up their environment, but after that, the smart home adjusts and makes sure that it provides the, the optimum experience for them individually. So. As you said, Elle walks into the room and the lighting adjusts for her, not necessarily for um, somebody else. So somebody else might have a different preference for lighting, just like my car's seat position. Um, the other thing that you mentioned was uh, listening to podcasts, which I think is still going to be something that people will do, but as I saw recently, or in fact, I heard a podcast recently where someone was talking about the fact that audiobooks might become more popular in the future because of the automatic speed. Uh, text-to-speech software is going to become better, so it's going to be less robotic and more able to interpret tone and style and uh, um context from say a novel and be able to read the out just as well as a human would so we'll get this uh, mass increase in audio that's available because the the ai will be able to read it for
0: us great great i have i've got an e-book reader and it does have um, text to voice but it is stilted and robotic as you say so that would be a great advance
1: yeah exactly Exactly. Is there anything else that that, uh, I perhaps haven't picked up on,
0: Chris, the technology or the the work style, uh, anything that I missed? No. I think if we want to wrap things up, Gihan, I would say that I think things do stay the same in so much as out-of-office work is about flexibility and the technology just makes it more seamless than it already is. To work productively and to integrate your working into your daily routine and your daily life and, and make it um rewarding and and meaningful yeah, I agree, and I just think yeah in my job as a futurist and trying to help. Uh,
1: leaders and organisations see what's coming up ahead, I think there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people who for whatever reason uh, aren't willing to believe that some of these things are going to happen and uh, part of it's because, uh, it is because it actually helps them not to believe it because uh, their jobs may be at risk or some part of their jobs may be at risk or there may be some threats or the things that they knew are going to become less important and sometimes redundant so their their level of skill is be- going to become less valuable um, and sometimes it's because it's just it's hard to conceive that things could improve so rapidly. And, and to me, the, the one analogy uh, that I use all the time when thinking about the future is the one that I mentioned earlier, that in 10 years' time, your laptop will be as smart as the human brain. So you'd be able to interact with it like, a, like you'd be able to interact with another person. Again, not saying that you will, because we won't be using laptops in that time, but just imagine that that's the level of technology we have, and then start looking at what could that mean for us in the workplace and at home as well. Yeah, Indeed. So thank you, Chris. Again, a big, big thank you for putting that narrative together, that story together that was, um, I was going to say 95% your work, but it was actually 100% your work. I really congratulate you on creating such an excellent scenario for the future and putting it together in such an engaging way.
0: No worries, Gihan. It was a pleasure to
1: write it and I enjoyed it very much. Great. Me too. So if you'd like to comment on the episode, we'd love to hear your comments, your ideas about the future, and whether you think ours are realistic or a little bit far-fetched. You can do all of that at outofofficebook.com, where you can also get a copy of our book, Out of Office. So thanks, Chris. Thanks for another really interesting and engaging podcast episode, and look forward to speaking to you again next month.
0: See you then, Gihan.
1: Visit our website at outofofficebook.com, where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book, Out of Office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of
0: your choice.